guess I became a filmmaker just out of really turning my passion into a business because I was passionate about storytelling and about getting positive messages out there. Because I think there's got to be some beacon of, of hope and light. That is a validation of your talent, your skill, and the message you created for this man. I set myself to certain standards. You just got to keep on putting one foot in front of the other. I tell you, man, this was a different conversation than I originally intended to have, but I'm really enjoying it. It's been really, really great, man. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou, and boy, do we have an exciting, amazing guest lined up for you today. Today's guest is someone who came to my attention when he made a spectacular video for the one and only Joe Rogan. The name of that video was Freedom. I watched that video, and I was riveted. It cut me right to the quick. It touched me at my core, and I thought to myself, I got to get to know this man. I got to find out what he's all about. And you know what? Best way to do that is have a private conversation with him and thousands of other people on my podcast. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only, the legendary Samuel Rivera of Samuel Rivera Films. Welcome to the show, brother. Woo, I love the intro, man, and the energy. Holy smokes. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, Nikki. That's awesome. I'm already pumped up just from that intro. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Glad to hear that. Well, listen, it's an honor to have you here. Tell us your backstory. How'd you get to be the great Sam Rivera? Well, um, it's a little bit of a long story. I, I guess I became a filmmaker just out of um, really turning my passion into um, into a business. That's ultimately a very high level of how I um, began doing, doing what I do. Um, but if we take back, um, if we go back a few years to learn about like um, my my early 20s, um, I guess that's kind of where my story starts. And the reason I say that's because, um, if you look at the singular message that's always on my videos is about inspiration and how to make yourself a better person than you were the day before. Um, my, a lot of my videos have that, that same type of message. Um, so the reason I bring up my early twenties, cause I got married when I was, I was really young. Um, I was about 20 years old when I when I got married. My my first son was born um, two weeks after I hit 20, and um, and I had a lot of responsibilities early on, um, very very quickly. I mean, before I was legally able to, at least here in the states, legally able to have a drink, you know, I already had. Uh, I was already a dad. So by the time I turned, um, you know, I'm going to fast forward here. When I hit 27, that marriage fell fell apart, and um, I was in. Um, $30,000 worth of debt. I had to move back in with my parents and I really had hit rock bottom um, at that point in my life. And um, really, you know, hitting rock bottom, you know, with, with no money and living, living back with my parents, I'm like, you know, what, what do I do? Right. I, I really had no direction in life. So I decided to, um, to just start working out because I, I said to myself, well, if there's, I can't control all the other things that are happening in my life, like the debt, living back in with my parents, these things are going to just take time to uh, to get out of. 
And, um, you know, I, I started working out and I went from 280 pounds to 180 pounds. And, um, and that is what really, um, led me on, on a journey of trying to become a better human. I became extremely obsessed with trying to improve myself, not just physically, but also mentally. And from there, um, around the age of 30, I started martial arts and I was filming, I was, I had like a little compact camera and I was filming, like doing like little videos of my family, little jujitsu videos at, at the Academy. And, um, and I was just doing that as a hobby. And, um, it ultimately led to me doing this now full, you know, full time. It, it, you know, my passion just drove into people wanting to hire me to, to create videos and content for them. So that's kind of uh, what led me to, to the great Sam Rivera, as you say. Well, brother, that's a heck of a story because I'll, I'll tell you, I didn't get married as young as you did, but I also got married and um, my marriage fell apart seven years after I got married. And I don't know what it was like for you, but uh, I was pointing a lot of fingers out, but I had three fingers pointing back at me because I really blamed myself for not keeping my family together. I had two young sons. I still had two sons. They're teenagers now. They were, they were little kids then. And I, I, um, I feel for you, man. Like to me, part of my mission in life, it's all about making men masculine again. And I'm all about being there for men because I'm never going to pass another man by and see his pain and do nothing about it. Uh, no man left behind is a big part of our ethos uh, inside of the work we do. So I got a whole movement there called the Sovereign Man Movement. Sovereignman.ca is our website. Sovereign Man Podcast is our podcast. And to me, whenever I hear a man's story like that, you know, I don't want to sound like Bill Clinton, but I feel your pain, brother. Yeah. And and that's why I'm such an open book. Like, you know, I've I've been on, on a few podcasts and they're like, oh, you know, is there if we dive into a little bit about your past? Um, because I, I I've mentioned it on on my Instagram page. Like I've, I've told a few stories or within a few of my videos that I've kind of glossed over. Um, but anybody that asks me whether I meet them in person or if I'm on a show, like I'm an open book. And because the reason for that is because, um, at the time when I was going through this dark period, I felt like I was the only one in, uh, that could ever be, have ever gone through this, right? You feel <laughs> so alone, sure. right? But you find out, you know, and it wasn't after, until I had a conversation with, with, uh, with someone where they said like, look, man, you're not the only one that's ever gone through this. Right. And it's like, you know, shit, you're right. Like. You know, somebody has 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 gone through this, and if we're really thinking about it, like, you know, what I was going through was was nothing in comparison to some of the other atrocities that that people go through. So if they can go through these things, you know, go through it, um, and get out of it. Um, you know, why why can't I? So I'm a complete open book when it comes to that, and I think it's important because people need to hear stories like this that, like, hey, you you can be. In, in, you know, in a terrible financial situation, not see the light at the end of the tunnel and make it through, like, you just got to keep on putting one foot in front of the other and shit will happen for you. Amen, man. Amen. I too felt alone at the time, but I had the good fortune of having people around me. I, I was introduced to a man who did work with men. His name's Owen Williams. He's the, the greatest man in the world. He's a world's best at helping men deal with this stuff. And he helped me in a big way. And I was in a men's group he ran. Um, there was a few dudes in that group. They, they and I didn't get along. And at the time, I didn't have the emotional maturity to deal with it. So I left. I went to another group. And uh, ever since then, 
And that was back in 2010. I've pretty much continuously been in a men's group, running a men's group. And now I've got my own men's movement, including our own men's team. And it's the honor of my life to really be there for me. We live in a time where men, masculinity, boys are, are actively discriminated against, which is absolutely uh, messed up. And so I think it's important that uh, for me as a man, part of my legacy is to stand up for other men and help these men understand, help boys understand. It's awesome being a man. It's awesome being a boy. And uh, you're going to heal really primarily from being around other men. Robert Bly said this, and he's a man who writes a lot about men's issues, that men can only truly heal in the company of other men. And I found that to be true for myself. So, you know. Yeah, man, when you're surrounded by um, by by other positive men and men that, um, you know, have gone through what you've gone through, that could be, you know, the the comfort that you need to know, you know, uh, or, or the the message that you might need to, to, um, to be around to know that like you can you can get out of it. When I was going through my thing, I you know I didn't have a, a men's group whatsoever. I had you know really my I guess my own thoughts podcast, and that's kind of how I started to really become a big fan of of Rogan, um, and um, and just and just really books. I mean that's that's kind of how I pulled pulled myself out of it. I didn't I didn't um, even think to even look for a, a men's group or let alone even know if there was one that even existed. And if there was, I probably wouldn't have been even been able to afford, you know, joining anything. So anything that, I mean, you probably even do yours for free, but I was in, you know, at that time I was in so much debt. I was like, anything's probably going to cost me money, even driving to the freaking place. Like I was just <laughs> so broke. It was, it, you know, it was just, what was, it was I? unbelievable. I was uh, sleeping yeah. on my mother's couch, man. I get it. And I, I came up, I came up with some money to pay Owen. And then the other group that I joined was free and we've been running our group for free, but we're starting to charge for some of our programs. Not a lot of money, but we want men to have skin in the game. I think that's important. Um, yeah. And I think men need other men. You need to find your men. One of my mentors, uh, Justin Sterling, that's what he said. You need to find your men. And those men need to be men who are going to hold you accountable. who are not going to treat you uh, uh, like you're uh, some beautiful and special snowflake, but are going to tell you the truth because yeah. We, we do not need men to be coddled right now. That is a massive problem. The men and boys are being coddled. Uh, and, and we got we to gotta put a stop to that. There's some wonderful books. This is a book that I, I'm reading right now. I've read it before. It's a terrific book, The Way the Superior Man by David Data. It has about 51 short chapters in it. Every day I read one of those short chapters. I take detailed notes. I look at how I can implement it into my life. Um, John Eldridge has written some great books. Wild at Heart, you may have heard of that. This is another really great book by the late, great Stefan Arnio. Hard Times Create Strong Men. It's a terrific book. And I, I read this book in four days and it's over 700 pages. Wow. There's just so much truth in that book, so much power for men. It's amazing. And honestly, uh, there's a lot of folks who do podcasts for men. Uh, like, I mean, I started mine, but there's a, the biggest one is called Order of Man. A, a, a fellow by the name of Ryan Mickler, he's a friend of mine. He's been on the show a couple of times and I've been on his show as well. Um, I think these are important issues and um, I think uh, good old Joe Rogan should bring on people like me and like, like Ryan Mickler and, and John Eldridge and David Data on his show and he should be talking about these issues. He's got the biggest platform in the world and I think right now these issues need to come to the fore because there's a lot of men that are lost right now. You know, it sounds like you found your way, but there's a lot of men that are totally and completely lost. And they need to know it's okay to be a man because the message from society and the world right now is that if you're a man, you're toxic, you're bad, you're wrong. We got to cut that crap out and we need somebody with as big a platform as Rogan's to do it. 
and he's the, he's just the man to do it because I know he'd, he'd eat the stuff up. Just I don't know him personally, but having listened to his show, it's not my idea of a snowflake. That boy. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I think uh, I think you're right, man. I think um, it's super critical, and I, I almost think that um, as a whole, you know, um, you know. It could be looked at like uh, like a bad thing that you want to be masculine. Like that's that's a negative thing. And it's like I don't I don't understand where that mindset even originated from. Like I'll tell you, I, I know exactly where it originated from. 1917, um, the world's first communist revolution succeeded in Russia. Vladimir Lenin became the ruler of Russia. And their objective was to create a one world communist state. And they realized that the only thing getting in their way was the United States of America. And uh, they called the United States the main adversary. The United States was too strong for them to be able to, to defeat. And they thought, okay, we can't go to war with these guys. We'll get our butts kicked, but we can subvert them from within. They're such an open society that we can go in and we can mess them up. So he sent a man by the name of Willy Munzenberg, who was a German communist and said, okay, your job is to go start a multi-generational effort to subvert the United States from within. So Willie Munzenberg went to the United States and started to find what he called willing accomplices, people who shared their vision in the areas of academia, uh, K through 12 and university, storytelling, which was Hollywood primarily, um, and uh, media. Uh, so basically the news. And it took him decades, but over time, the people went from being pro-American in charge of those institutions, and right now they're not. They're out and out Marxists, and they started to one of one of the things that they uh, were all about was to destroy the family and to to weaken the strength of, of the family. There were two professors at Columbia University, Cloward and Plyvin, and they they were all about that, and that was the plan, and and that's what they did. They they made masculinity a bad thing, and that's that's the problem. And you know, there is uh, the name of that book I showed you is Hard Times Create Strong Men. On the back of, of, of my jacket, I'll just briefly show it to you, is a little poem. Can you see it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's... Here, uh, I actually did a video um, with Rogan that where he mentions that. I don't know if you've seen it. It's called I, see, I seen Easy. that. I seen that. Yeah. But Rogan's wrong about who wrote that book, that poem. The man who wrote it is Jeff Michael Hopf. He is the author of a book, uh, of many books, but uh, the most famous book is called The End that he wrote. He's, he's written a whole bunch of books, but he wrote that poem. That poem went viral. He doesn't get a lot of credit for it, but he's around. He's alive. I've had him on my show. Um, oh, wow. Great guy. And, uh, you know, uh, it's in this book, in Those Who Remain, uh, and it's quoted in here. And it's a fantastic, fantastic quote. So I asked him where he came up with it and he told me, and it's, you know, the, the genesis of it isn't original, but the way that it was written was his. That was original. It was pretty darn cool. So uh, we're in the, we're in the weak man stage, brother. Hard times are here. Hard times are here right now. Yeah. I, I mean, you can really feel it. It's almost like you can, you know, grab it from the air. It's just, it doesn't feel like there's really light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and you know, I, I'm naturally optimistic, but it sure as hell does feel like, you know, we're just going to continue down this, this dark path, but going back to what you're saying, yeah, man, I, I think that, you know, um, you know, having strong men in society is important and also strong men in, in, in a family, right? Like I yes. think of, um, being a father, um, is, is important in, um, in, within a family's household, 
um, without the dad, I think that, you know, a lot of things and you see, and you can see this, right? Like you could see, you know, families that, that grow up without um, kids that grow up without their dad, like, you know, it affects them. Right. And, and I'm not saying that in any way, shape or form that uh, a woman's uh, a mother's role isn't important, but I find that, um, that sometimes the, uh, the father's role almost takes a second place. And, and in my mind, I, I feel like it should be considered equal because there are certain things that a father can do that a man, that a mother cannot and vice versa. hundred percent, brother. hundred percent. And I'll tell you what, if you have sons in your family, once they are, you know, starting to get out of little boyhood, they need their father more than their mother at that stage. When they're younger, they're going to need their mother more because they need all that good motherly love and nurturing. But when it's time to learn how to become a man, they need a father because as much as their mother loves them, she cannot teach them how to be a man. Why? Because she's not a man. <laughs> you know, it's right, that simple. Right. So you need a father like around age 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. You need a father to show them what being a man is all about. It's also very important for a father to show his daughters what kind of man she should end up with. He should model that for her. And if he does a bad job, she'll end up with the wrong guy, either because she picked the guy just like him or she picked the guy completely unlike him to spite him. So, yeah. you know, that's very powerful, and very important. You know, you've got to do that for your daughters and you've got to show your sons how to be men. Listen, yesterday I had a rough day with my oldest boy. He's 15 years old. He's taller than I am right now. He's an athlete. They're both athletes, 15 and 13. And you know, he, he was doing things I didn't like. My ego got engaged. And so his ego got engaged. He's in what my mentor, Justin Sterling calls the fuck you stage. Fuck you, dad stage of being a boy. You know, there's yeah. dad's, dad's your hero. He can do no wrong. And then there's dad. I let me go a little bit. Then there's fuck you, dad. Fuck you. <laughs> and he's in that stage fully right now. Like I got to feel my own balls, my own life, you know, and you can't tell me what to do, dad. And then when he came home at night, I told him, come right home after school. I took his keys away. I took his phone away. And he didn't. He went to the gym. I told him, I didn't want you to go to the gym. And he said, I wanted to go to the gym. And then I just sat there and I go, you know what? Um, I got to talk to this kid and not not hammer him because if I hammer him, it's going to be bad. And, and so we talked and I let him know my thoughts. He let me know his thoughts. I told him that I, I need him to be respectful of me. And and uh, he told me that he needs me to listen to him more. And and trust him because, you know, he's trustworthy and all that good stuff. So it ended up being a very powerful conversation that I'm really grateful I got That's to have beautiful. with my son. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome, man. But yeah, it was, I think it was tough, bro. It was tough. And during the day, I was feeling bad about the whole way that the day started, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But it's good that that you had that conversation with him because um, it, it rather than continue, because you could have taken two, two um, approaches to this, right? You could have been like, no, you're going to do as I say, and that's final, right? I have the final word on the men of the house. Or you could take the approach that you did and say, look, I want you to understand where I'm coming from, right? I started with, and, you're going to do what I say. <laughs> and that was boom, yeah. boom, boom. Yeah, yeah, but that doesn't always work, right? It's it didn't like work you yesterday, got a that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And look at you know, you took another another approach and uh and, and that worked out. So that's that's amazing. Yeah, yeah it's um but yeah, man, I think you're right. Between that that age, um, because I, I grew up with my dad, but he wasn't very uh much a um an involved father. Um he was there physically, but he wasn't the type of dad to um uh, really uh, teach me how to become a man, as as you say. 
And um, I think that had a lot of ripple effects um, in my life, um, especially within, you know, within my 20s when, you know, uh, uh, when I started to, when I really was thrown into becoming a man, right? I had no choice but to become a man when I got married at 20, had my son, you know, um, two weeks after I had turned, I had turned 20. And um, I was thrown into this and I really didn't know how to navigate life. Um, so had I had that, I think, um, maybe my, my choices certainly would have been, would have been different. I think certainly not getting married at, a, at an early age would have been one of them. Listen, I think men need their men. Uh, and I, that's why we have our group. I mean, if, if you want to chat about it offline, I'm happy to tell you about some of the things we do for men, but I think we got men from all over. They're not just from Toronto. I got a homicide cop from LA County. He was one of our men and stuff oh, nice. like that. Yeah. He's, he, he's, he's, he's. He's a soft-spoken dude, but a total badass. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. crazy. Uh, so anyways, uh, it, it's important for men to be around men. You got to bring issues to men. Even if your life's going great, you need men because we as men have a tendency to do something very dangerous called buy our own bullshit. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? We give ourselves yeah. a narrative about how certain things are fine and certain things are great. And that just isn't so. And unfortunately, when we buy that narrative, then we're going to keep buying it. And that's dangerous because if you buy your own bullshit and you go out into the world and people see that, that's going to hurt you in certain situations. It could hurt you with a client. It could hurt you with a lady. It could hurt you in your health and fitness. Like this is a, this is one thing that a dude could say. You could say, you know what? I, I eat pretty good considering. And what if you bought that for like 10 years, Right. You, you, you know, you, you said you were 280 pounds. You probably were buying a bit of your own bullshit during that time about your weight, right? Like, oh yeah, right. And if you didn't have anybody to really challenge you, it's not going to change, right? We men respond to challenge. Women need to be praised. The feminine responds to praise. So if you challenge a woman, you're an idiot as a man, complete, total, and utter. But if you don't challenge a man, you're an idiot too, because you're not doing him any favors. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I definitely think that um, I've gotten better. Uh, you know, I'm 40 now, and I've gotten better um, uh, with age to with like reckon, like not feeding into my own bullshit. Actually, my wife like constantly was telling me like you're a little rough on yourself. Like I'll look at you know I'll look in the mirror. I'm like you know I know that eating hasn't been clean, right? This is like bulking season now with Thanksgiving and the holidays coming up, and I'm like you know I know that things are you know I, I look in the mirror and I I man, I, you know, she'll tell me, she'll be like, you know, you're, you're a little too hard on yourself. I'm like, no, I'm not like, you know, like I, I set myself to certain standards. Like I know that when I've, you know, uh, loosen, you know, the reins a little bit too much and, and I'm putting on weight and I've got to, I've got to discipline myself and get myself back on track because if you don't, right, you can spiral into this, you know, like the way I look at it is I like, I try not to let myself go beyond, um, like creating too many standards, right? So like if you put on five or six, seven pounds and you get used to that weight, that becomes your new standard, right? And then what happens when you put on another five or six pounds, that becomes your new standard before you know it, you're back to 280 pounds. So I never let myself go more than one layer of, of, of a standard. So, um, but, you know, and, and that's applied to, to all aspects of my life. Like, I try to have balance in, you know, with my relationships with, with like my daughter and my wife and also with my career, um, never allowing myself to give one thing more attention than, than the other. I think it's, it's all about having balance, uh, as well. So. Amen, brother. Amen. 
I tell you, man, this was a different conversation than I originally intended to have, but I'm really enjoying it. It's been really, really great, man. <laughs> no, nah, it's awesome, man. I think this stuff is super important. I think Very. it's I think it's critical. Um, you know, I you know, like I said, uh in my twenties when I had um when I was going to divorce, I had, you know, uh, at the end of that marriage, I had um three kids and um wow. a lot of that a lot of those relationships um are are not in a good place. And um and it's taught me, it actually taught me that um the importance of actually having being a father and being involved in in a child's life. And uh, my wife and I now we have a you know five-year-old girl that I make I make sure that I'm you know I'm involved with her life, right? Like if she wants to play dolls, like you know, I'm I'm there for her um because that's the that's the thing that she wants to do. You know, I think that just just being an active person in in uh in a relationship is super important. A hundred percent, man. A hundred percent. And listen, those those kids from your first marriage, they uh, you know, don't give up on a man ever. They're still your kids, man. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, you know, I always like I said before, I'm, I I think I'm naturally optimistic. I hope that things, you know, eventually change. I mean, that's a whole long story in terms of um, you know, uh manipulation on from from the other side and and um um so it's it's unfortunate uh, to say, but yeah, like you know, whenever you know if they're listening, they want to you know be, be involved and and uh, and they know that I've tried. They're more than welcome to, you know, um, I want to be their dad, right? Like like you said, I don't want to give up on them. I never have, and I never will. And I hold on to hope that things change if they see things uh, a little differently. Listen, you you keep showing up. That's that's all you can do. You keep letting him know you love him. Let him let him let him throw all the invective at you. You're the man. You take that. You take that. You take those arrows and you just let him know I love you. I'm sorry for all the things I did that I messed up, but I love you and I I want the best for you and I'm here for you and I want you to know that. That's all you can do at this stage. And yeah. if their mom was for whatever reason mad at you and she can't give that up, I mean, yeah, that's 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 partly on her to be sure. But I say for for. For us as men, one of the things we got to get is we got to act as though we're responsible for all of it, even if we aren't. Because if we act like it's her fault and, and like we give the power away and for whatever for whatever reason, look, I could tell you my story and I'm, I'm not going to go into it on, on, on this podcast. There's, there's things that, you know, just frankly, I'm going to keep private about what happened to me, but I could easily go to a blaming place. You know what I mean? I could have easily gone into a place and I did for a long time, for five, six years, I was there wholeheartedly. And what that had is it had me and my ex being in a limbo where there was a lot of anger. There was frankly some hate going on between us. And there was a time where I was with a group of men at a retreat. And I'll tell you the story because it's a powerful story. And there was this one man in the room who I just didn't like. This is the kind of man that when I see him, I, I, I'm two seconds away from punching him in the mouth. You know what I mean? <laughs> and he, he's, you know, he's a man that I just didn't like. But on that day, he did me the biggest service of my life because he got under my skin and I jumped out of my seat and I was ready to cold cock him. And four or five other men grabbed me and held me down. And I said, let me go, let me hit him, let me hit him. And, and then he just looked at me and he said, when are you going to stop blaming your wife, when are you going to stop blaming yourself? When are you going to forgive her? And when are you going to forgive yourself? And in that moment, all the fight went out of me and I started to ball. I just bawled and six men had to hold me up. And in that retreat, 
you turned off your phone and you gave it to uh, a man at the front who was in charge of holding on to all the phones. You were not allowed with a phone in that room. There were no exceptions to this. And so, you know, my phone had been put away. 20 minutes later, after this cathartic experience, I, I went and collected my phone. We had a lunch break and I, I turned it on. I swear to God, 30 seconds later, she calls. I haven't talked to her in months, like in months. And she's, she's bawling. She's saying, I've just been trying to hurt you. I just wanted to make you suffer. I'm sorry. Um, I, I'm not going to do that anymore. You deserve better. We didn't work out. But, you know, I, I see that you're a good man and a good father. And I'm done trying to make you suffer. That was like God brought healing to me and my heart. And that went straight to hers. That happened in an instant, you know, and six years of uh, and, uh, and uh, disappeared. Wow. Acrimonious talks about divorce. Two days later, she signed the papers. We got divorced. And three years ago, she, my kids, my new lady, we all went on vacation together and everybody. Had wow. Wow, and that would beautiful. not have been possible day one. No way, no how, forget it. Yeah, but it, it didn't just take you, right? Like you would have approached that with after, you know, you're going to beat this guy up and, and you, you know, you were bawling. You had that, that moment of uh, enlightenment. But, you know, it also took the other side to, to say, hey, look, I was wrong. I, you know, I've been doing X, Y, Z and let's come to a happy medium because ultimately what matters is the happiness of our children, right? Well, you and I can have our, our differences, but at the end of the day, what's, what should be the utmost importance Absolutely. is their happiness and their well-being, right? Absolutely. So, and the only way you can do it is keep digging because I'd had several conversations about, oh yeah, I've forgiven her and I really hadn't. And I'd forgiven myself and I really hadn't. There was still more stuff there. And even today, there's still some more layers I can go uh, underneath of. And I just say, as a man, I tell every man, act like it's all on you. Your job, your work, your relationship with your crazy ex, it's all on you. To make it better, it's on you. It's not on her, it's all on you. And if you act that way, then you're the one in power. You're the one taking the actions. Maybe she'll respond, maybe she won't. But at least you're the one doing what, you, what you're doing. And it's not like, hey, I got to, like, maybe one day. Instead, it's I, me today. And for me, I say that's, that's what I encourage you and every man to do. Yeah, I think so. But I think there's also a fine line between that and um, maybe maybe my my circumstances are are completely um, so different than than other people's maybe. because um, you know I truly do, and you know you could ask anybody within my circle. I truly have tried, right? But when um, the other person is using um, the kids as as pawns. It's very, very hard to to uh, to navigate that, right? It's beyond just attacking me personally, but you're allowing me to be the father still and be involved. Um, when when it's a situation where you have shared custody and you're supposed to be picking up your kids and you're intentionally not home or, or you don't let them out and it becomes a just a constant uh, uh, assault on your on your rights as, as a father. That's that's so difficult to navigate. Yeah, oh, it's, it's horrible like you, to you can take ownership of that, but um, you know, horrible shit, I mean, to navigate. There's only so many arrows. 
Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's impossible to, to navigate. There's no really. question. And I and I um look like I said, we can talk offline. I can tell you about what I went through. It's not what you went through, but it had its freaking horrible moments, you know. Um, yeah. And at, at the end of the day, whatever she is, she is. I'm here for you. I want you to to have the strength and the power to go through this, and 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 to hold out for those kids because. Those kids yep. got to feel that father's love through the ether, even if they aren't able to feel it any other way. And, and I want, I want, I, I want the day where your kids come to you and say, Hey, uh, Sam, uh, dad, uh, I want a relationship with you. I, 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 I want to know you. I want to be with you. I want to, I want to love you. And there was a, uh, there's a man that was a client of mine and you know, I got my own issues with this man because I did a lot for him. And then he, now he even ghosts me. So God bless him. But this is something I'm I'm very happy happened for him. He had a son with a woman who did not let him see that boy for 15 years, just like took off. He did not yeah. see his son for 15 years. And he, it was eating him up. This is a successful man worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And you know what I mean? Nobody's idea of a loser by any means. But like when it came to his son, he felt like a loser. He felt like it was all done. And anyways, I worked with this man one-on-one -on -one as uh, in coaching him. Um, and, you know, it's not something I do a whole lot of these days anymore, but it was an honor to do this because all we did was work on him giving up what he had going on about that situation until the point where the mom just, again, surprisingly out of him doing work on himself one day he said, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm ready and willing to let you have a relationship with your son now, which was like, and he was like, he told me when he first met me, he said, wow, man, I, I, I don't believe this is possible, but if you're asking me what I want most in the world, that's what I want most in the world. And it happened. It, it, it happened. And now, you know, even though he's ghosting me, he won't talk to me. I want to slap him for that. I see him on Facebook. His profile picture is him and his boy and they're hugging and kissing and and that's a beautiful oh, that's awesome. Yeah, really now nah, it's got to be rewarding, especially like if you helped him get to that, you know, get to that level. That's great. Um, so that's, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. My, my kids know, like we, you know, we've spoken and they know that um, I want nothing but um, the best for them. And, and um, if they're ready to have a relationship, they know that um, I'm here. I'm always Amen. ready. Amen, man. God bless. All right. Let's shift gears, man. This was a fantastic right. conversation, Sam. Thank you so much for, having this piece of the conversation, let's, let's get, let's shift gears in the business. So how did you get to work with Joe Rogan, bro? Cause that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Super cool. So I wouldn't say I get to, um, I work with him. I just sort of create these videos and, um, he's been super generous with, um, uh, with, with sharing the videos. Um, pretty much every, every single one that I've created on him, he's, he's pretty much shared. I think there's seven of them at, the, at this point. Um, but it all started just as, as a fan. Like I, um, like we were saying earlier in the show, uh, I didn't. I grew up with a dad, but I didn't have. He wasn't really a, a mentor when I was going through that divorce and post-divorce, and I really needed some. Um, I needed a father figure in in my life, and I didn't have that. Right, I didn't have somebody out in the world to tell me to teach me how to be a man. And Rogan um, was very much that from afar, right. Um, just listen to a lot of the life advice um, that he would give on on the show. I started listening to him back in like 2009, 2010. Like I, I started listening to him when he was like episode like 50. It was like really early on. He was still doing it out of his house. And um, anyway, long story short, um, 
you know, he's been a positive uh, mentor in my life for, from afar. And when I started to, when I started jujitsu, um, around the age of uh, 31 or so, um, I was playing around with like, you know, I had like a compact camera, still have it to this day. I had, um, I was playing around with a compact camera, just taking videos of, of my kids and, um, just making like fun videos out, out of a hobby. I started doing jujitsu videos here and there. And ultimately it led me to, um, to where I am today, where, where I'm able to do this professionally, but it all really started as, as a hobby, right? I start, I, I created these videos. I started doing jujitsu. I started making jujitsu videos. And then one day I decided to make a Rogan video based on, um, a little rant that he had went on uh, a few years ago. And, um, when I put it out there into the world, he, um, it was funny cause he, you know, uh, to my surprise, he, he, somebody sent it to him, he shared it. He wanted it on, on his, uh, on his platform. He asked me if it was okay to put it up there. So I sent it to him and we've had a online, you know, um, relationship really ever, ever since I've never met the guy, never spoke to him on the, on the phone, um, or anything like that. But, you know, I create these, so I don't work with him. I, I, I just sort of, you know, I create these videos and he's been super generous with You're uh, collaborating with him though. No, don't kid yourself. The man is taking your work and he is putting it out there. He's asked you if he can use it in putting his brand out there. That is a validation of your talent, your skill, and the message you created for this man. So I would call you a Rogan collaborator. You may not have met him. I tell you, I collaborate with a ton. I'm doing an NFT project right now uh, for knives. So I, I don't know, do you know what NFTs are? Have you ever heard of them? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, Non-fungible so, tokens. Yeah, yeah non-fungible tokens. So they're mostly these cartoons and stuff. So me and a buddy of mine, I, I said, look, what would be a cool nft to create and, and he said you know we got to look at some as and then i said well i'm a knife collector you think what a, i know a lot of these knife collector companies knife companies he said yeah yeah let's do it so i approached spartan blades this is the oh, nice. lamb ronin shinto spartan blade knife it is it is spectacular um this is this is a very dangerous weapon i'm going to tell you this particular knife and we have uh we have um we've created this and it's cool and and, 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 and all that jazz. And I got a ton of collaborators all over the world. I don't know them. I don't even know some of their names. They refuse to give me their names because in that world, that's a thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah but I'm yeah. working with them and I know their work and I know their, their handle and, 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 and all of that stuff. So, you, you know, you know, so. Yeah, I guess that's one way to look at it. Like we 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 collaborate, but it's not an active collaboration, right? I I create. He doesn't. Um, when I think of collaboration, I think of um, somebody saying, "Hey, wh what do you think of this idea?" Oh, I what about this? And and then we sort of you know work together on 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 a project. It's very much where you know he's creating the um, you know he does his podcast. I I find something in there that inspires me. And that's usually the uh, my north star as to whether or not I make a, a turn it into into a video or not. Um, but to your to your point too, he's putting his brand, he's sharing it. So, you know, that could also be looked at as as a collaboration as well. It's just I not, I guess, in the way. traditional sense. Yeah. Look, it's not the traditional sense, but what the heck about this world today's traditional anymore, man? Yeah, that's true. We're that's doing a good all point. kinds yeah. of crazy stuff these days, you know. So, uh, I think what you what you've done with him and his work is. Mucho, mucho spectacular, brother. Well, thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Really good stuff. Like that freedom video. Um, I I played that at my last event to lead off the event. 
And I told everybody. Did you really? I did. Oh, no way. Yeah. And I, oh, man. you know, and, and I said, I said to everyone in the room, this is why we do what we do. This. And people like were listening to it. They were blown away. They were inspired. They thought it was cool. And then I told them, by the way, I'm interviewing the fellow who made that video. And they're like, no way, man. That's so cool. That's awesome. And so you're, you're oh, kind of, man, in my world, so awesome. you're a minor celebrity, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, I, 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 you know, a couple of people have thrown that, that term to, I mean, I'm like, ah, no, no, no. I'm just, your, I'm, I'm one of you. I'm a regular dude. So, but that's awesome, man, that you showed it. I, um, too bad you didn't record their reactions because I always find that to be, uh, to be fun. To see that when people I didn't watch even it. think of that, but it would have been yeah. it would have been cool. We had we, it was a it was a half live, half Zoom event. Oh, okay, gotcha. So gotcha. We, we we I was on Zoom with them while we played it, so I could have recorded. I just didn't even think about it. But that's a really really great thought. Um, I believe that we live in a time in our world where men and women who a fight, bleed, and die, so the rest of us get to enjoy the blessings of liberty, are more important than ever. And the men and women like Joe, like you, like me, who stand up for freedom and go out there and, and speak about it and inspire others to know the truth that's residing in their heart, that they were born to be free by their creator. Their God wants them to be free and not to be under the thumb of some crazy ass government bureaucrat who wants to tell them how to live and who's going to keep creating these crazy ass emergencies again and again and again to take away their freedoms. And that video said that better, more succinctly and more powerfully than I've ever heard it said before. And that's why I wanted to have you on the show, man, because I think that we need your voice more than ever. It's not just Rogan's voice that did that. That's your voice. You put that together. You made that happen. So it's cool that you did this for Rogan. I think that you ought to be doing these videos for, for any business and business owner that is freedom-minded. I mean, I think it's important to do. And I think you ought to just plain and simple have, you know, Sam Rivera Films put out freedom videos. There's a company called uh, We The People Wine. Um, they put out a beautiful video um, of Ronald I Reagan. I think we might have spoken about this offline, no? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that, I, that is also really powerful. And I, and I, and I, when I saw that, I thought, man, Sam could have made that video. <laughs> that's how good that was. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah. Listen, man, if I, if I was able to, you know, listen, I've got a business and, and, um, and I've get, I get clients, uh, um, you know, a good decent amount, maybe able to make a, a decent living. Um, but ultimately like I've never been able to, um, uh, monetize those those style videos right like i don't get sponsors to pay for the rogan videos or like a reagan video etc they're not you know a lot of times what happens Depending is on the fee I'd, I, be able, I'd sponsor that for you man if you'll put me and my company <laughs> name there let's talk right now <laughs> you know a lot of times what happens is i i uh it does turn into other business though so um i create these videos and then people like yourself they like them they might have a business and then they want to create something similar for for themselves or for you know for their company or for their uh you know uh, for their brand so um it's uh it's certainly worked out um they definitely work out as uh, uh work out as um as marketing tools for for me and my business um but ultimately I'm, you know i create them because I feel like you know getting these messages out there is, is super important. So even if I didn't get um, paid for them, and for a long time indirectly I didn't, 
um, I would still make them, right? Like I started doing these, I started creating videos because I was passionate about storytelling and about getting positive messages out there. Because I think I think there's this world is filled with negativity and there's gotta be some um, beacon of, of hope and light out there. Um, and uh, I feel like these videos are, are you know, do just that. I run a CEO group and um, we got eight guys who own companies that are all like-minded to us. If you're up for coming and talking to them, I'd love to have you come and have yeah, a chat, man, show absolutely. your video. And maybe some of them would want to do business with you. The, the, these are people who have means. I'm interested. Um, honestly, if there's a way to either do a video myself, I mean, I, I got some guys that I work with who do my podcast and stuff, so I don't want to step on anybody's toes here. If there's a way for us to collaborate, I'd love to do it. If there's a way to sponsor any of your videos, I'd love to sponsor them, uh, whatever. I'd love to I'd love to have a freedom fest with uh, Sam Rivera, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Where we sit down and we go through some videos and talk about some businesses. I wrote a book with um, Wayne Allen Roots. It's the first of a couple of books. It's called the Great Patriot Protest and Boycott book. And um, this book was my idea, but Wayne is a bigger name than I am in the conservative world. So, you know, he's he, his name is given more prominence. It's a list of woke corporations that are anti-freedom. And we're telling people who they are, how to contact them on social media and tell them we're not going to do business with you. And now we're going to have a Great Patriot um, boycott book. So buy from the companies that are pro-freedom. Like and that. that's the next thing, one that's going to come. And who the hell oh, nice. knows? Maybe we find a way to collaborate on getting that uh, in, in the form of some videos. And I don't know, maybe you interview me and you interview Wayne. And we we create some things that we can put out there to help that pop. Heck, maybe we can do that for this book. We've been, we've been trying the traditional way of having a PR person get us on shows. And we've gotten on some shows. But I'll tell you what, flat out. My goal is to be on two big shows that I want to be on. Patrick Bet David, Valuetainment, and Joe Rogan. If we can get myself and Wayne on those shows with our message, I think we're out of sight, man. So let's talk offline. Let's see what we can find. Yeah, I'd love to. But I, I think ultimately it comes down to just constantly putting out good content and um, and just putting out the messages that you're you're currently doing. I mean, just half this half this podcast has been you know super positive. And it's about uh, you know been about manhood and and about, you know, being the importance of being a father. And I think eventually, you know, at least for me, what's worked is, you know, organic reach, right? Like I've, yeah. I've never spent a single dollar on, on advertising in the, in the traditional sense, right? I never spent a traditional ad campaign dollar. Um, I've just always focused on ad, um, bringing value to my audience. That's, that's what's most important to me. Like if there's a message out there and, and, and if you look at my history of, of videos, I don't produce that many per year um, for a number of reasons. One, because I'm just busy with client work and I don't always have the time to create them. Um, and two, I just want to make sure that whenever I am putting a video out there, it's going to bring value to my audience and it's going to be the best polished product that I could, I could possibly make. I don't want to put out some half-assed nonsense. Um, Amen, brother. So... Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but going back to your, you know, to you, I guess my point of bringing that up is that I, I guess if you just constantly continue to do what, what you're doing, which is putting positive messages out there and, and gaining things organically, there's no doubt in my mind um, that you will be on, on Rogan's show. Right. I, I, I don't think that he would disagree with, with what your values are and what the messages that you, that you bring to the world. 
And I want to see if he'd like a knife NFT, man, because that's pretty cool. That's pretty different and new because all the NFTs out there are those little monkey pictures and other pictures that are out there. It's crazy stuff, man. But I know Joe's a knife guy because I seen him with some knives on his IG page, cutting up some the meat, the elk. And it's good stuff, man. He brand and he and he tags the knife maker that he uses. So he's used Mike G, Mike Jones uh, knife and tool out of Vancouver, which is in my country, and uh, it's pretty cool stuff. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah, I I um a friend of mine is uh she's a big knife collector. Um, I just recently was gifted one by uh by by a client, and it's like you know these are when they're handmade, right? They're just you know they're they really are special. Oh, that's this nice. Is a handmade knife it was made by Greg Lightfoot for me. Um, that's his logo over there. If you can see it, um, yeah. The the these are bone handles, uh, wow. and uh, this is beautiful. And it's got a really lovely leather sheath. I also have a Kydex sheath there. Um, this is this is some. I got about ninety three, ninety four knives right now, and wow. uh, I'm a serious collector, man. I'm a serious collector, man. So that's I've why got I wanted one in my to drawer, do. And that's it. Oh, dude, man. <laughs> Hang around with me for a while. I'll get you hooked on knife collecting, brother. You'll you'll become <laughs> addicted to it. You'll just be looking. Okay, what else is out there? What do I need? Because it's it, it gets like that, man. It gets like that. Yeah, no, I know. I and that's the that's the danger of it, man. Like I try and stay away from like collecting stuff because it's bad enough that I've had I've got like camera collection and and all this. You know, I, I also collect like you know like action figures. Like oh my goodness, like it can never end. Like it, it just you start with one and it's like oh what about this one and that one and it's like. It's never ending, Absolutely. but uh, yeah, they're they're beautiful um, tools to have when when they're uh, especially when they're when they're handmade. You can tell the difference. Like the one that that my client gifted me, I think it was half uh, size blades. I think it's the name of the company. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I might be messing that up, but um, you know, I keep it here in my drawer, and it's like you can. I have like uh, another one that I keep in the car, like a little pocket knife. It's um, you know, you can tell it's commercially made. And the difference in quality and the way that one feels versus the other, it's like, you know, it's night and day difference. It's uh yeah. Now this yeah. is a commercially made knife, but it's a high-end knife. The production knife, we call these production knives. This was made uh by Spartan Blades in North Carolina. The type of steel they use is something called S45 uh VN. This is really high-end steel. Um what makes it high-end is it retains an edge, it, it doesn't, it doesn't rust, it's really great. And it's, but the fit and finish is incredible. This, this could be um, custom made. That's how good it is. And it's not a cheap wow. knife. It's, you know, $380 US, I believe for this knife. Wow. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> this one was even more expensive because this was a custom knife uh, that was made just for me, but you've got to, um, you got to just get that. Once you get into knives, you, you are, you're done and you're done. You're yeah. going to be collecting. Where do you keep them? Like, how'd you even get, first of all, how'd you get into collecting knives and where do you, I saw you a video. Them? So do you see, this is, you're going to love this. I saw a video, see the power of video <laughs> made by Gerber knives called hello trouble, write it down and go look it up. You're going to watch it. And a guy showed me the video and it just spoke to the man in me. And I said, I got to go buy me a Gerber knife. And I went to Bass Pro Shops and they said, yeah, you're right. You should buy a knife, but don't buy a Gerber. It's not that great. And I'm like, it's not. They go, no, no, no. Buy a Benchmade. So I bought a Benchmade, and um, the habit started from there, brother. <laughs> just, wow. It's just. So do you put them in like a like on display, or do you just kind of keep them in a jar? I, I, I have I have a bunch in a jar, and I have a bunch that are out like this in the desk here and there, and I use them for stuff. So I think some of your knives, some of my knives are showpieces, and some of my knives are meant to be used, like. Um, 
I got a tactical right. kitchen knife, bro. Tactic, tactic chef, it's called. Uh, made what by the Greg hell Lightfoot. is that? It, it's, what? it's, it's this Greg Lightfoot guy made it. it. It looks cool like a tactical knife, but it's a kitchen knife. So if you go on, <laughs> uh, if you go look up Greg Lightfoot and um, uh, find his, uh, his website, I don't remember if it's greglightfoot.ca or Lightfoot Knives or whatever, or Lightfoot Designs. But if you go look up Greg Lightfoot, you go on IG and look him up, you'll see Tacti chefs there. It's pretty cool stuff. But oh, anyways, sounds, it's legit, man. Cool. It's legit. You yeah. should at least get that for your wife. She'll love that. Like my lady. Yeah, forget about her. I'm going to get it for myself. Yeah, I know, right? But <laughs> my lady loves the Tacti, the Tacti chef, man. She thinks it's cool. That sounds stuff. pretty cool. Yeah, because you're right. You're like most, like the knives in my drawer and then I guess average household, they just look like a traditional knife. Maybe it'll inspire me to cook more for her. That'll be my excuse for buying it at least. <laughs> awesome, man. Awesome. So, so brother, we end off each and every one of our episodes by asking you as our guest expert for three bullet point expert action steps. So these are your best pieces of advice. Bullet point, what are they? Um, focus on story. Story is king, right? Story is king, I love um, that. When it comes to, to any video, whether it's a, a visual story, whether it's a visual storytelling piece, a narrative piece, it doesn't matter. What's most important is, um, is, is the story. Um, I guess the second thing is for, uh, for business, um, or for video making, really focus, put the attention on, um, not yourself, right. Put the attention on whether you're a business, a person, you're selling a product, um, make the, the video about the person and not about yourself when you're, um, shining the light about, you know, this is who I am and this is, who, I mean, that's fine. You can explain who you are. Uh, but that's only going to get you so far. At the end of the day, look, you're asking somebody to spend some time on your video, right? Um, and time is limited, and um, uh, you've got to you've got to bring value to uh, to the person that's going to be watching the video. So that so that's the second thing. And I guess the third thing is, um, you know, let I guess just let passion be the driver to how the story is told, right? Just um, just put your heart into, into the story and um, everything else will fall into place. Sam Rivera, man, I've, I've loved this. This has been great. So um, uh, folks, Sam Rivera is the real deal. Sam, Samuel Rivera Films is the name of his company. He's the man who's created so many great videos uh, about Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan's a fan of his work and publishes it out on his platform. That's as good an endorsement as you get in the year uh, uh, 2021. And so you absolutely got to go check out him out, check him out on IG, check out some of his videos on, on YouTube, go check out his website. And honestly, if you own a business and you've been considering telling stories as part of what you do, make sure that you go and engage with this man right away. And to find out more about him and his work, just go to our show notes. We're going to have all that information there. Sam Rivera, thank you so much for being on the show today, my brother. Thanks for having me on, Nikki. Appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. And that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out about today's incredible guest, the one and only Sam Rivera, go to thethoughtleaderrevolution.com or go to wherever you happen to listen to this podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. And if you're one of us, you believe in freedom, free expression, free enterprise, and you need help in monetizing things better, or you just need someone to believe in you right now, Come reach out to us because that's what we do. We believe in the good people out there that have the courage to go out there and put their dreams out there. Until next time, goodbye. 
This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice.